0: As you see, Matthew 9.38 here is our theme for this week, really for the month. And let me, as Steve already encouraged you, uh, to make plans. There's schedules on the back. You can find it online as well. To be here Wednesday and Thursday night, 6.30 to 8. We're going to have a great time of hearing from our missionaries. We'll start out in here and then we'll break up into... Uh, smaller groups so that you can hear and get to know the missionaries personally. Then Saturday, we have men's breakfast at 8 with our missionaries. And then at 11 o'clock, the ladies have brunch. And of course, we've been praying Matthew nine thirty-eight for about three years now. And uh, really at the directive and, and the initiative of the Baptist Bible Fellowship, the missions office. And so there are hundreds of churches Uh, in America that are praying Matthew 9.38. Some of you have your alarm set for 9.38 and you're praying Matthew 9.38, but you realize there are probably more churches outside of America that are praying at 9.38 than churches inside of America, which is exciting that people all over the world are praying that more people would surrender Uh, to missions and so I hope you'll join us for this missions emphasis if you don't know my name is John and I am blessed to serve as the pastor here if I have not had a chance to meet you uh, my wife Joy and I we will be right in the foyer right after we're dismissed this morning and would love to have an opportunity just to greet you and and thank you for being here uh, today uh, find your way to Acts chapter eight. So some of you are gonna be, uh, have a printed Bible, some of you may be on your phone or a tablet. If you are on a digital device, you can find us on the UVersion Bible app under events. All the notes are uploaded there every single Sunday and so you can follow along there. Also, you may have noticed or found at your seat today, there is a piece of paper there that has an opportunity, a blank side that has an opportunity for you to take notes if you're interested in physically writing some notes. Uh, And then a lot of our adult connect groups that meet after the the morning worship service are moving towards discussing the sermon. And so maybe this will be an opportunity for you to take notes and have a little more information about uh, discussing. So before we get started, we, we almost forgot something. God is good. And all the time, how many of you guys have seen the meme going around that uh, if the pastor makes a great sermon point and uh, since it's Super Bowl Sunday and at the end of a game, the coach always gets doused in what? How many of you seen that, that, that if the pastor makes a good note, you should douse the pastor in Gatorade? How many of you have been thinking about, about doing that? I actually had someone bring me a Gatorade just in case. Uh, so maybe if I make a good point, I'll just take a drink. I, I don't know. I'm gonna be watching for anyone behind me though, just in case. And the person that, that gave this to me, uh, Toby and I, we, we actually went to Bible college together. And so I don't trust her as far as I can throw her. And so I'm thankful she, she brought this, uh, this to me. But uh, who's excited for the Super Bowl? I'm telling you, our church has come a long ways. I mean, it was everything in my heart this morning to watch these, didn't you enjoy our students leading us in worship today? Yeah, let's give them a hand. Uh, If if you're new, you may not have recognized that all of our, uh, most of the band up here was high school students that serve in um, Wednesday nights in the student ministry. They, They lead and then they get to be in here. But, and that was great. I was a little frustrated by their choices of jerseys though. I mean, we had the Browns, anybody, come on Caden. Thought you tra- I thought I, tra- I trained you better now. that. What, what's really bad is my son-in-law is a Browns fan, so boo, and, and it, then we had the Bears. Got a few Bears fans, and worst of all, I think, we had the Packers represented up here. I was like, come on. Anyways, I, I mentioned to a Bears fan that will remain anonymous, Shelley Switzer, that um, Like I booed the Bears and she said, well at least our team, whatever, you know. And she hadn't seen the jersey that I'm wearing. I said, hey, I'm team Jesus. And uh, yeah, who else is team Jesus, right? I saw Kathy Clark over here somewhere. There she is, she's wearing uh, the same shirt that I got on. Uh, Evan, so Evan Carter designed this shirt. If you know much about the Rangers, Evan Carter was a rookie that got called up. In fact, got called up so late that he couldn't even qualify as a, as a rookie. This, this coming year will be his rookie year. And I think it was his first day out at practice, he wore this shirt. Jesus won, and it's for FCA. And I can't remember the number now, but they, so I just got online and Googled it and ordered one, uh, and they have raised tons of money. I don't remember how much, thousands and thousands of dollars for local FCAs. And so we can celebrate that, right? That's awesome. So Acts chapter one, and in uh, Acts one verse eight, we're gonna get to Acts eight verse one, all right? And I heard it said that if we live out Acts chapter one verse eight, then we can also expect Acts 8, 1 to happen. And when we think about Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it's kind of the driving force. Really, I've heard it said that this verse is like the table of contents for the book of Acts. So Jesus says, you shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost, or to the end of the earth. And as we think about this, this is a, a pattern for how we should live. That is a hallmark church. We should be focused on our Jerusalem our community, those people around us. And then as we do our part to reach our community and to invest in our community, then, then we reach out a, a little farther. And even this week, we're gonna have one of our missionaries as a church planter in Wyoming that got saved at Hallmark Church. He's planting a church. And so that, that would be more uh, of our Judea Samaria, outside of our own city. And then to the end of the earth, and we have missionaries all over the world. I was watching that video again, with you this morning and and noticed that one of the missionaries on there is the Salmons in Thailand. And we were just there like three weeks ago. It's pretty cool. And so this follows also the outline of the book of Acts. The first seven chapters of the book of Acts, they have mostly been focused on Jerusalem. But remember what Jesus had told them, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost, or the end of the earth. And up until this point, where we get to chapter eight today, they had only been in Jerusalem. And then the rest of the book of Acts kind of shows and reveals what God is doing and will do all over the world. So persecution, right? I love this quote from, from Chuck Swindoll. He said, persecution always separates the pure from the phony, the authentic from the artificial. That I wonder today in the American church, it might be good for us to have a little persecution. Anybody want to get quiet? Do you think persecution might be good for the church? Yes or no? I mean, I don't wish it unless more people would hear about Jesus. And that's what happens. And so at the end of chapter seven, Stephen, who we read about in chapter six, was a deacon in the church. Remember, the church was growing so fast and there was a problem they needed to meet the needs specifically of the Hellenist women, like the women, the widows were needing help. And so they got seven faithful, devout men, one of them being Stephen. And Stephen just was a faithful man in the Jerusalem who served in his church and out of his service to the church and his faithfulness to the church. Then he began to preach and his preaching ministry did not last very long as he preached in chapters. Uh, chapter eight, excuse me, chapter seven. Read chapter seven, it gives pretty much the entire history of the Israelite people. But then he says, you guys, you religious people, you Jews, you are the ones that killed Jesus. And it made them angry and it cut them to the heart, it says in the end of chapter seven. And then they stoned him, they killed him. And as he is being killed, Stephen says, Lord, Don't count this to their charge. Don't, Don't charge this to their account. In other words, it was similar to what Jesus said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. That's the end of chapter seven, Stephen being persecuted and martyred because he's preaching Jesus. And that's where we pick up the story in chapter number eight. So I've kind of broken this into sections similar to what we did last week. Uh, And so the first section here, I, I kind of titled, it's pretty simple, Saul, and he's the persecutor, all right? So Saul comes on the scene, look at verse number one. Now Saul was consenting to his death, meaning the death of Stephen, which happened there in verse number 60 of chapter seven. At the time, at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was where? Jerusalem, which is where they were supposed to start, all right? But they're still there. And they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So the apostles were hanging back in Jerusalem. Verse number two, devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. Verse three, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church entering every house, dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. And see, Satan believed if he persecuted the church, the message of Jesus would be stopped. Saul was trying to squelch the gospel, but in spite of that, the gospel spreads. What he was intending to do, the opposite, happens. Chuck Swindoll said that this way, persecution therefore became the splash in the pond to send the gospel rippling outward. And so as the church is hunkered down in Jerusalem, persecution falls upon them, and it says they scattered, and everywhere they scattered, they preached Jesus. All right, so next section here, Philip, the preacher. Verse number four, therefore those who scattered went everywhere preaching Jesus. The word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, right? So here we go, we've got Jerusalem, we've mentioned Judea, now Samaria. And he began to preach Christ to them, verse number five. Now verse six, the multitudes with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did for unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great, what does it say? Joy in the city. When Jesus shows up, guess what he brings with him? Joy. Jesus changes everything. And so Philip, this, we, we first read about Philip in chapter six. He's one of the deacons with, with Stephen. They were just devout men. They were faithfully serving in the church. There arose a problem. There was too many people's needs that needed to be met. And so they picked seven men who were faithful to the church and faithful to the Lord. And after he becomes a deacon, then it just seems as if God calls him to the next step and he begins to preach. And we just read Stephen, he preaches and he, his ministry didn't last too long. He's in heaven now, but Philip begins to preach and he goes to Samaria and he preaches. And what happens? Multitudes of people give saved and what is the message I think this is important to know what is the message that that Philip preaches verse 5 Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he preached what is it he preached Jesus Christ Jesus is the Messiah when we share our faith and we share our story we haven't truly shared the gospel if we haven't shared Jesus. Get people to Jesus because Jesus changes everything. All right, the biggest section of, of this chapter, Acts chapter nine, verses twenty five, verses nine through twenty five, here in chapter eight, it's what is titled "The Sor- uh, Simon the Sorcerer." All right, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. Uh, just because I don't want to, but I don't think it's important for us where we're trying to get to this morning. But but Simon the sorcerer, right? He does magic. If you if you study much of of history, he would be known, known as Simon Magus. Uh, he's where we get the name simony from, like the the purchase of uh, of church office or church duties. Like it follows his reputation followed him for really, even till today, but what he does is he has this false conversion. Like, I'm gonna believe the message of Philip and I'm gonna get baptized because I believe the message of Philip, but really what we see in the passage is that his heart wasn't about the gospel, his heart was about money. He wanted mo' money, right? You know any preachers, evangelists, who it seems like all they're about is money? and getting your money, right? And he even asked, could I pay to get the gift of sharing the Holy Spirit? And in verse 22, Peter says, repent of your wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you for I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and you're bound by iniquity. I love love this statement about, just, just kind of a side note about money. Money is an instrument that can buy you everything but happiness. It can pay your fare to every place but heaven. Simon the sorcerer was simply in it for the money. So let's go on to the next section, verses 26 through 40. All right, we're spending the rest of our time here. And then then as we end this section, I'll give you three points of of application this morning. All right. So verse number 26. Now, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, right? This section being called Ethiopian, the Ethiopian seeker. The angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is, what is it? Is that the place you wanna go? Anybody? Just go down, there's a road, go south. Go to the desert. Sign me up, right? Who who wants to sign up for this gig? But look what verse 27 says. So he arose and went. Obedience. Behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace the queen of the Ethiopians. Okay, Candace isn't a name here, okay? It's not uh, identifying her name as in her given name. Candace here is a title, similar to Pharaoh, right? So she's Candace the queen, or also known as the queen mother. Because in this period of time and in this culture, the king was supposedly a direct descendant of the sun god. Like, and he was so important, the man, the king, was so important that, that doing anything of um, administration or the office of the king, everything was below him, right? So he had to get who to do his work for him, his mom. right, he's a mama's boy, all right? It reminds me of the quarterback for the 49ers, right? Mom still does his laundry, still lives at home. Hey, I say if you can get away with it, go for it, right? I will say this about Brock Purdy. It seems like he loves Jesus. I can cheer for that, right? But come on, do your own laundry, all right. So the queen mother, he's he's over, and look what it says, his responsibility. who had charge of all her treasury, like he's in charge of the money. But why is he in Jerusalem? Says he came to Jerusalem to worship. In other words, he was a proselyte of Judaism. Somehow in his country, in Ethiopia, he'd heard about the Jewish religion and he came to Jerusalem to find it out. What is this about? And it seems like the same for him is same and true today for us. That if all we are seeking is religion, we will go home empty. I think for a moment about this man who's traveled all this distance. Who would have been in Jerusalem, I believe, during the time of the death of Jesus Christ. And I have to believe that as he's in his chariot headed home, he's just as empty as when he came. Religion always leaves you wanting. Religion will never satisfy you. And so he had come to worship, he was returning, verse 28, sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet, which is crazy to think for a moment. No, no Gentile should have had access to the scriptures. The only way that we would uh, believe that this man would have access to the scriptures, what do we know he had a lot of? You guys are smart, money. And money can pretty much buy anything, right? Even the Jewish religious people, we've already, they've already proven that they're after what? Money, money and power. We looked in Acts chapter 5 and last week verse number 20 says they were filled with indignation, right? That jealousy because they wanted power, they wanted money, they wanted their position. And so because this Ethiopian was rich, he had a copy of the scriptures. Pretty amazing. Let's keep reading. Then the Spirit, you might circle that. The Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him. He must be in shape, right? He heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. Pretty cool. Then he asked him a question. Do you understand what you are reading? Great question, isn't it? And he said how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip, come up and sit with him. Verse 32. The place in the scripture which he, which he read was this. this. This is amazing, right? Just, I'll use this word, it just so happens that he's reading the prophet Isaiah, somehow he gets the scriptures, and trust me, he did not have the, I do not believe he had the entire Old Testament. He had a portion, and just picture this for a moment as this guy is in a chariot. never ridden in a chariot but i assume it's not real comfortable or real smooth and he's got this large scroll that he's reading trying to figure it out he's reading it out loud as what i understand that was kind of customary in that time because it's hard to understand it's hard to read so he's reading out loud and just so happens that this guy philip who was a deacon who's now a preacher god says go down to this road and head south and head towards the desert and know, oh, it just so happens that as he's on the road towards the desert, that this Ethiopian happens to be reading the scroll, the prophet Isaiah. And what is it he, he's reading? Look at it, what it says there, verse 32. Here's what he's reading. He, has, he, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation from for his life is taken from the earth? Let me read a little more from Isaiah chapter 53, verse three. He is despised and rejected by man, man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem Him. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Verse number five, but He, Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement, the punishment of our peace was upon Him. By His stripes we are, what is it? Healed. Healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the sin, the punishment of us all. Isaiah the prophet, hundreds of years, prior to Jesus' death, told us it was gonna happen. And my sin and your sin, the chastisement, the punishment that I deserved was placed on who? Jesus. And it just so happens, the section of the scrolls that this Ethiopian man who was searching for truth paid for on his way home happens to be reading as Philip happens to to come by. And look what the conversation continues. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? That's a pretty cool question, isn't it? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, from Isaiah 53, preached, what did he preach? He preached Jesus to him. And from this passage of scripture, don't you know that Philip said, oh, I wish, I wish you'd have seen it. Maybe, maybe you did, maybe, maybe you were in Jerusalem when they, they led this man through the streets and they had beaten him. They had placed a crown of thorns on him and, and he had done nothing, nothing wrong. In fact, Pilate washed his hands and said, this man is righteous. His blood is on your hands and all the religious people said crucify him, crucify him and they, they, they took him up on the hill, they put a cross and, and hung him on and there were, there were two criminals on either side of him. That's who Isaiah is talking about. That man, Jesus, he is the Messiah. My sins and your sins were placed on him so that by his stripes you could be healed. What a great story. It was just a coincidence though, right? Do you believe in coincidences? I don't know how to say that. Happenstance? I believe in providence, it was God orchestrating the events, go to the street, down to the desert, doesn't tell him what's happening, just shows up, here's some Ethiopian guy reading from the prophet Isaiah. Do you know what what you're reading? How can I know what I'm reading unless someone explains it? Hey, come on up here, have a seat, let's read it together. Is this guy speaking of himself or is he speaking of some other man? Well, let me tell you, this is about Jesus. He preached Jesus to him. Verse number 36, now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, See, here is water, what hinders me from being baptized? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. He answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? I hope so. And if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, You've never made that decision. I'm not asking you if you've been in church your whole life. I'm not asking you if you've been baptized. I'm not asking if you've partaken of communion. I'm not asking you if you're a Cowboys fan. I'm not asking you if you give every Sunday to church. I'm not asking you if your parents went to church. I'm not asking you if you're a Baptist, Catholic, Presbyterian, Methodist, whatever else is out there. I'm not asking you that. That's not what Philip asked. Philip asked, do you believe in Jesus? And his response was, I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Have you done that? When I was 17 years old, I finally made that decision. I'm not just a churchgoer. I'm not just a preacher's kid. That's not getting me to heaven. I made a decision. I, Believe Jesus. And what did he say in John chapter 14, verse 6? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to the Father except through me, Jesus. Have you ever made that decision for yourself? You have declared, I believe. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. I surrender. And if you've never done that, can I encourage you this morning to do that? In fact, before I get to the rest of the text, could I just ask you to close your eyes for a moment? If God is speaking to you right now, and you want to declare your faith in Jesus, this is what's necessary for salvation, forgiveness of sins, a home in heaven, eternal life. You declare Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, and you believe in him. Right now, right where you're at, I'm gonna lead you through three simple steps. These steps are just leading you to this declaration. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. First, you you tell God right now, right where you're at, God, I admit I'm a sinner. God, I believe Jesus died for me. God, I confess Jesus is the Messiah. I ask you right now to forgive me, to be my Lord. If you prayed that, if, if you just talked to the Lord, you declared your faith in him, would you just raise your hand for a moment? Just put your hand up right now, all right? There's two, there's three, four, five, six, seven. 8, ten, eleven. 10, 11? Anyone else? You can put your hands down. My, my encouragement to you is to know this. You are now a child of God. Could we celebrate that this morning? <clears throat> And I would encourage you this morning, if you would like us to know about that, there's a card right there in the pew, let us know. On your way out, there's four boxes as you exit, throw it in there. Or if it's easier for you, pull your phone out, scan the QR code, it'll take you to a page that says I'm a guest or I'm new, click that. And then just let us know, I decided to follow Jesus today. Or at at the end of the service, we're gonna we're gonna sing a song of worship. I'm gonna be standing right down here. You're welcome to come talk to me about it. I would love to talk to you personally. Or after the church, I'll be in the foyer. I would love to talk to you. God is good and all the time. All right, let's let's finish. That was the most important thing, though, right? Verse 28, so he commanded the chariot to stand still, both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. I was speaking of baptism, he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, again, this points to immersion, the baptism is a picture of the death, burial and the resurrection of Christ. uh, The Lord, I love this, verse 39. Now when they had come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way doing what? When Jesus shows up, there's joy. Jesus changes everything, doesn't he? He goes coming to Jerusalem. Religion leaves him empty on his way home. He doesn't find religion, he finds who? Jesus, and he goes home rejoicing. And in the context and in the culture at this moment in time, what they would have believed that anything south of Egypt, Ethiopia, you know what they would have termed in the King James English, you know what they would have termed anything south of Ethiopia—the uttermost. Or in the New King James English, it would have been the end of the earth. What did Jesus say? He'll be witnessing me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost or end of the earth. What a picture of. Jesus fulfilling the power and the ability to accomplish what he called them to do. Three action steps and then I'll be done. In fact, let's just put them all up together, all right? Number one, trust God's direction, obey God's command, speak God's word. Trust God's direction, obey God's command, speak God's word. Do you trust God's direction? This is what we're praying all year, right? To trust. Trust God's direction. It's interesting that as you read the story, right, Philip went from just just, I hate to use that word, but just a member of the church serving. Then he became a deacon, then he became a preacher. And we read there, he was preaching in Judea, then Samaria, and multitudes of people gave their life to Jesus Christ. And then the Holy Spirit comes to him and says, all right, stop this public ministry. I want you to go on this road that's headed south to the desert. And how many people does he preach to? How many? One. Maybe think of this display here. God is always going after the one. Yesterday morning when I, I came in here to pray, I was up there turning the sound on to play a little music and somebody walked in, they didn't know I was up there. I love scaring people, by the way, but I didn't. Um, and I watched someone walk in by themselves and they grabbed one of these orange ping pong balls, put somebody's name on it, and put it in there, because they had got to lead someone to Jesus that week. Isn't that pretty cool? The one. And, and I, wanna, I wanna challenge you, maybe, maybe you were new, so last year we had this display up here, uh, our theme was Luke 15, four, go after the one, and, 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 um, and so maybe you're new since then and at the close of our service when we're we're singing today, the white uh, ping pong balls represent someone that I'm praying for, the one. If there's somebody in your life that you know needs Jesus, then I'll encourage you to be a part of what everyone else is doing. Just come down here while we're singing, grab a a white ping pong ball, write their name on it, and and put it in one of the slots. A little later yesterday morning, we were praying, we were talking, and someone was like, what what is the green? I I forget what the green means. Said, oh, it means you shared the gospel with someone. They maybe didn't make a decision, but you shared the gospel with someone. And they got up from the pew right there as we were praying, and guess what they did? Wrote someone's name down, put a green ball in there. The one. Philip listened to the direction of God. I don't think in, in our Baptist culture we give enough importance and value to the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit still directs you as a follower of Jesus, yes or no? Then listen to him. The best way to listen to him is to be in the word. Let the Holy Spirit direct you. All right, I'm gonna trust God's direction. I'm gonna obey God's command. All right, very simple, right? Verse 26, go down to this road to the south. Verse 27, so he arose and went. Verse uh, 29, go catch the chariot. So Philip ran and caught the chariot. Obey the commands of God and realize this when you walk in obedience, God is always working on the other side of things as well. Think of all the things that God did to lead the Ethiopian man to have the scriptures, to be reading just at the exact point of Isaiah. God was working on both ends of this. That fear that you have of sharing your faith, realize that if God has directed you, God is working on the other side of that as well. Obey God's command, and and the third one, speak God's word. Point people to Jesus. I want you to watch a video before we move on in the service this morning.
1: Every Sunday I see you guys come in here from your church, and don't get me started on your tipping. Girls got to eat, right? It's just a little server humor there. But seriously... I don't know everything that goes on in there, but I know something does, because I hear you. Every time I drop by your table, I hear how great the message was from the pastor and how you wish more people would hear it. Well, I don't go to your church, so how am I gonna hear it? All I got is you. So are you gonna share it with me or just hope I stumble through the doors of your church with my sinful self? Well, since I have you here right now, I guess I can talk to you since it seems like you're not ready to talk to me. Oh, but you're ready to judge me, my hair, my clothes, my language, my music. I know that you don't mean for it to come across that way, but you have to see how it looks from my side. You think I have a problem that my life needs fixing, that there's something missing in it, and you have it, or at least, you know what can fill that missing part. Okay, yeah, there's a part of my life that needs to be filled with something, but believe me, I've tried. I've tried to figure out what would make me happy. I've tried to figure out what would, I don't know, not make me feel like I'm worthless. Okay, so I'm not the greatest of people, but if I'm so lost and so far gone, Aren't you the one that's supposed to help me? Aren't you the one with this so-called good news that is supposed to tell me the truth? Because what I've been trying is not working. And I need to know that there is more than just coming in here every day, serving you your coffee and pancakes to your lovely family. I need to know that there is more to my life than this. And guess what? You have to be the one because no one else is saying the things you say. How much do you have to hate someone to keep what you have to yourself and your family? How much do you have to like your own comfort to leave me to myself? I need you. Okay, I said it. And if you think that that was easy for me to say you try living my life, I need you to pursue me. I need you to set aside your comfort and pursue me because I'll run. When I get scared, I run. And you have to come after me You have to follow me into the darkness and show me the way out because you were there once. You went from death to life. And I know that those are your words, but if it's true, then this is more important than your safety and your ego. Oh, I'm still gonna call you a Bible-thumper and I'm probably gonna make fun of you, but don't give up on me. Okay, talk it over, I've got tables. It's your move.